Hey, everybody, grab your plate of food, your drink of choice, find a place. Uh, welcome again to Sunnyside, Groves Church, all the things that we are. Um, I just have a couple quick announcements before we dive back into the book of Exodus. A um, couple announcements. Number one, on October 25th, Say October 25th. Oh man, you do not sound excited yet. Say October 25th. <laughs> that was a little better. Uh, October 25th, we are having a gathering here. It's 7 o'clock. It's a Friday night. And um, it's a night of stories and music and songs from our neighborhood. It's a joint effort between um, Parish Collective, United Methodist Church, and the Groves. And um, we're going to hear stories from people from all over Portland, things that are going on in their neighborhood. Um, and we're going to have music, Alec and Cass, the band. Do you appreciate the band? I just feel like we need to appreciate that band. because So we'll hear them, um, too. And um, yeah, it's going to be really good. What was that? Tip the band. Tip the band. Tip the band. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that night. It's going to be the first kind of collective story night. These are it's opportunities for us to connect, not just as our, our little part of the body and faith community, but with other faith communities that are around Portland. So we'll be doing that. That will be awesome. That will be here. There will be food. There will be drink. There will be dancing. Really? Yeah. I will be anyway. Friday, 7 o'clock. Mm. Friday, October cool. 25th, 7 p.m. here. Yeah. All the local things. It will be really great. Okay, and the other thing, I have to look at my calendar because I want to make sure I have the date. November 3rd. Say November 3rd. November 3rd. November 3rd uh, we will celebrate 10 years as the Groves. November 3rd. Wow. So, oh, holy cow. Pre-adolescence. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Pre-teen, almost. Almost. Almost yeah. pre-teen. Yeah. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia was 16 yeah. 10 years ago? It was cr it's yeah. crazy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I started this as a teenager, my youth group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah. Well, are we ready? Yeah. I mean, I think Is we've done anything? the part in the podcast where you people are like, would you just get to it? Yeah. But that's standard podcast fare, right? I mean, you guys listen to podcasts. That's how it goes. Right. So we're nailing it. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite podcast just goes on and on for 30 on minutes without any intent yes. at all. Yeah, yeah. But actually, it's like demonstrating the friendship and the camaraderie, the relationship. Right. Do you feel we it? We should right talk now? more. Yeah. yeah. Here? Yeah. Into microphones? <laughs> Is there anything you want to bring up right now in this space? I yeah. just love anyway. you a lot. That's all. I love you, know? you a lot. Yeah. Okay, it's working. <laughs> See, just yeah. get to all it. All right, you guys, we're in Exodus. Although, one more oh, little sorry. announcement. We're not. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, we are kind of had a, a last-minute work project that we need to do around here. No pressure at all. But if you're available this afternoon, um, we're going to – a little bit of pressure, Josh says, because otherwise it's just Josh and I. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, this week, we're resealing uh, a bunch of the tile floors uh, that are asbestos, and they're going to be sealed and nice and clean and awesome after this week. But that means we have to move everything off of those surfaces um, in the next couple of days. And so anybody wants to hang out and have a moving stuff party, um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a party. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I think there's pizza involved. So, is there? That's what I heard. Oh, my gosh. Jamie? <laughs> Jamie looks surprised. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's pizza. Oh, that's better. I should have announced that. Guys, we're going to have pizza this afternoon <laughs> at church. So come and hang out. Yeah, a little bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Just carry this okay. table. Get okay. on with it. All right. All right. Tell we're in the us. book of Exodus. Yeah, we are. And uh, we're in, if you want to locate it, where are we? Uh, chapter 6. Yeah. And we'll be picking up in verse, verse 10. 10. Yeah, we're, when we we'll finally get there. get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, we will get there. Hey, so I have been, um, I've talked about this a little bit, but I've been on this kind of journey of, of exploring and recognizing, um, looking at, um, internally what it has meant realizing you're Korean, realizing that I'm Korean and, and my identity as an adoptee, right? So, um, which being an adoptee is kind of its own separate thing, even disconnected in some ways from being Korean, Mm -hmm. um, um, but um, uh, in exploring that, I mean, as a, when I was little, I remember, I remember very early on, I actually remember one of the first times I asked my mom a question, she was doing laundry in the basement. And I was like, mom, and she's German English, my dad is Finnish, okay, right, my adoptive parents. So I'm standing in the laundry room and I'm like, mom, if you had a baby from your body, like why wouldn't that baby look like me? Right, like starting to ask those questions and realizing like there's something different here there's something something going on and I remember as that like that kind of the interest started growing like looking back at family pictures right because my parents are they love my I have a cousin who's really into our Finnish family history so when I'm looking back at pictures right like of my family it's all white Finns right on farmland in Minnesota and in in Lapland right which by the way looks exactly the same Um, it's like very flat we have a type right yeah yeah, wherever we go so so, uh, but I'm, you know, I look back at these pictures and, and then I, I remember wondering so often, like, um, you know, thinking, who do I, do I look like my mom? Do I look like my, my biological mom? Do I look like my biological dad? Um, what will I look like? You know how, like, my kids can look at me and go, oh, I might look like kind of a combination of those two someday. Two right? out of three. Yeah. Two out of three? Two, two out, out of three. three well. a, yeah. uh, two out of three Gil- Gibbs children. Yes, can we'll, we'll look do at that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and even the third has some photos that he's going to look at of his biological parents. I was left on a sidewalk as a five month old, so I have no pictures, right? There's no way for me, being, a, being that I was left, there's no way for me to trace any kind of history. Um, um, I, I actually, until my, probably until I was, it was actually when I had Maddie, so it was like in my 30s, I was filling out medical history, right, and going into pregnancy and asking questions and realizing I don't have anything to fill out. Like, those are those moments when I, I'm like, you know, and you're like, what, you any heart disease in your family? No. Any, right? And I'm like, I don't really know what, I can't check yeah. any boxes. There's nothing for me to, right? And um, I just keep, I keep, my, my sort of default thing is that I'm pretty sure that I descend from Korean royalty. That's kind of what I've determined. I thought that was my story. Yeah, that was your story about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That you married into Korean right. royalty. Yes. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. I'm waiting for that right. like accumulated uh-huh. Korean wealth to uh-huh. drop. You know what just I'm saying? Boom. Yeah, yeah, like I'm just gonna get a letter. Yeah. An email, I'm gonna get an email yes. from. <laughs> and then you do a K-pop album. Yes. That's what yes. I would invest in. The first thing I would oh. do is K-pop in those dance awesome. moves. Awesome. I would yeah. love a beach house. I would be completely blonde. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But I wonder, and, and, <laughs> and things that I love that my parents weren't interested in, and my, my uh, adoptive parents weren't interested in, like, where, where does the artistry or the creative side of me come from? Like, where mm. are these, like, I, I wonder about my identity, right? Who am I? Who am I meant to be mm. um, in connection to history and, and, and how I was brought into this 
life, you know? I was at, um, I was in um, Tampa, Florida with Voices Project, and it was um, a, um, an event where black leader, black and Asian faith leaders were coming together for a conversation. And I was sitting there, and um, the two people who were facilitating, the two women facilitating conversation, were creating timelines, right? Like um, um, African American timeline of, of history in the United States, and then the Asian history, Asian American history in the United States, which, by the way, is really immense, right? Like the Asian, they're just just saying that you can't even capture, obviously, in that one conversation, all that. But we're creating these timelines, and and um, we had these little post-it notes at our at our tables, and we were to write down significant moments, significant dates in our lives, right? And then we were to take those post-it notes and then attach them to the timelines that were put up so we could locate ourselves in history. And I remember there were people in the room who had like done like beyond 23andMe, you know what I'm saying? Like they've gone way deep into it. There was um, one young woman who had she knew exactly what tribe and what part of Africa she was from. Mm. Like she knew, and she, she had been able to dive so deep into that. I remember sitting there, and I had, you know, February 25th, 1974, which, by the way, I think is a made-up date. You guys do the math on that. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But February 25th, 1974, um, which is a date given to me. I don't even know that that was about, but I had went, I had went, you know, like that was as far back as I could go. Hmm. One moment to put up in my head, and, and there's a moment, there's like a sense of, right, there's a bit of an identity crisis in a way that I'm experiencing. Who am I? How do I locate myself in this time and place? Like, do, what's, what purpose? Like, what am I bringing? You know, all of those questions um, start coming, coming out, and where do I fit in, and how do I belong in this space? And um, I, I uh, found a Korean adoptee group on Facebook. Um, and I had, um, through them, there was a, which seemed a little sketchy, there was a free DNA testing, right? <laughs> Send us your DNA. I'm like, huh, that, I don't know. I feel just like, sign this release. Yeah, just <laughs> sign this little piece yeah. of paper. I don't right. know. Um, given American history, that's just not, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's safe yeah. space. But yeah. anyway, so, um, uh, but I, I, I started looking at places to send in my DNA, and and, uh, and, and, and took some actions in that. And then it kind of fell off. This is a classic Sonia, but I was really motivated and activated in it. And then I haven't heard anything back and I just haven't looked into it. But what that, what that is telling me and what that touches on is, is um, a very fresh and kind of a, um, uh, an uncomfortability, my own wrestling with wanting to know where I come from, right? And know my own history. Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone back to check on that. But, but all that to say that there's an ongoing search and an ongoing longing that I have in my heart about who I am and where I belong and what, what, why am I here? What, what's, yeah. Yeah. Well, if I based, I guess, my purpose on family line heritage, I should be, I don't know, working with sheep, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, my dad's side goes back to uh, two Welsh brothers that came over in the 1700s. But uh, we found out this summer, this was wild, um, my mom's family line, her last name, Goen, um, actually goes back to Africa. It actually is an African name that came over from, uh, from Ghana mm. in the 1700s. Mm. And, and um, so that person was a slave, but that's where that name ori mm. originated. And um, so 
That, that was a wild kind of thing. I was like, Mom, are you sure about this? But you can see with the family line how um, different people intermarried, and by the time uh, that name gets to, to us, um, it's a you know, clearly white attributes kind mm-hmm. of family. But um, it does, you know, obviously anytime you dig into this, you go, like, we are, uh, we're connected, right, in so many different ways, you know, you think about that. But um, that, that was just something I was thinking about as you were saying that. But as I read your intro when, when I was prepping, um, you know, I thought, well, I, I obviously can't relate to that, that idea, that sense of, um, uh, you know, where do I come from? Because my family has done so much of that work, and there, is, there are so many um, connections to that. But the, the ultimate question is something I think everybody ends up wrestling with, mm-hmm. right? The idea of, like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? Um, and there's seasons in life where that seems really clear, and then it, it can kind of fade, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we all, I mean, we all seem to chase this. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Um, is this something that uh, you know, you have, you know, dealt with this idea of, like, what's my sense of purpose, How you many know? of you have done a DNA 23andMe or something like that? How many? Yeah, yeah. What was that? Done a, a DNA, like 23andMe or any of those. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of us, right? Yeah. 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 But curious. Yeah, about, about who we are, yeah. where we come from, and then Our ultimately history. what's that have to say about what it is that we're doing in Our this identity. life. It speaks to identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or sometimes those things that like call out to us seem to kind of chase us. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like that was some of my story around like ministry life. Um, Sonia and I were talking about this the other day because there is a, a thing going on uh, with a lot of 40 something um, m- male ministers that um, are just dealing with probably some just regular midlife stuff, but also dealing with like, is this what I'm you know, meant to do. I'm I meant to do this stuff and being disillusioned by certain aspects of the American church and, and that sort of thing. And, and um, you know, I've been wrestling with this, but I guess what I had said to you when we were chatting about this was um, they needed to uh, go through that running from God thing earlier because it was easier. I was kind of, I was in Bible college and I was like, yeah, I don't know about being in ministry or doing this music thing, but I know I could probably be in the military. And and so that's what I did. I joined the military and became a military policeman uh, for a little while. And um, no matter how discouraged I get, I feel like I chased, I ran from the thing that was chasing me, the sense of call, the sense of ministry. Um, and in those times, I, I had encounters with God that I felt was like a call. It was, you know, God saying, no, this is, this is the path I have for you. And it was very much like I could go this way, but um, it, it didn't seem right. And so... That's what I meant when I wrote down that, like, I, I think sometimes that stuff chases us as much as we're, we're chasing it. Um, but we were talking about how in our youth group days, uh, they, that, that kind of world gave us this narrative. Um, the idea that we all have a sense of calling or all have a sense of purpose. And if you find that calling or purpose and you're faithful to it and you're faithful to God, everything's going to work out. Right? Did anybody else grow up with that kind of um, that that kind of message being said? I mean, it's a very positive message. Um, the only issue is what happens when you know, you know, it doesn't work out that way. When everything doesn't work out, right? Even though you feel like you followed the script and you did everything you were supposed to do. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, this is what right. we're talking about a lot lately with different people. Is you know, what happens when like the company fails? What happens when the marriage ends? 
What happens when all the money is spent or the job is gone or the, or the confidence fades, right? The confidence in, in uh, what it was you were pursuing or you're doing. What happens when you just don't believe anymore? And um, contrary to the, what it's presented as sometimes, the scripture is so full of this. Right, this is something that I'm, obviously, if you've listened to me uh, at all in the last 10 years, <laughs> this is something that I'm always attracted to, is this idea that there are these folks who struggle and doubt and aren't sure about themselves and aren't sure about God all throughout Scripture. And that's what we see in Moses from time to time. Right, so here's, here's Moses. We're, we're picking up in verse 10. All right? Chapter 6, verse 10. And it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he must uh, release the Israelites from his land. But Moses replied to the Lord, If the Israelites did not listen to me. So if you remember, he's already uh, gone to the Israelites and he had some success. He had uh, the, the leaders were like, Yeah, let's do this. And then um, he, he comes in. He talked to uh, Pharaoh. The, the people are then more oppressed after he shows up. And they're upset with him. So that's what he's referring to is like, the people didn't believe me. How's Pharaoh going to listen to me? Um, and then it says this, since I speak with, with difficulty. So imagine that. Moses, he's, he's got this like dynamic call from God. A burning bush. Right, like oh, yeah. a supernatural experience. Something I dare say not many of us have had to that degree. Even the the, uh, the greatest of calling stories of people I've known haven't had um, a fire literally burning and not consuming what it's burning. Most people don't have that. I experience. don't know yeah. anyone. No. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so he's been given this purpose. He's been given this identity as a leader, right? He's been equipped with supernatural signs. Um, he meets that early success, mm-hmm. but then the challenges begin. That made me think of that famous Mike Tyson quote, right? You guys all know that one. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tweet that, you guys. Tweet that one. Yeah, but I mean, what a metaphor for life, yeah. right? People have written about this quote all over uh, sports media and, and outside of sports media because it is such a metaphor, right? Life will punch you in the mouth, and you can have all the plans laid out. You can have a narrative like we were talking about that's handed to you. If you just do all these things, then it's all going to work out, and then life punches you square in the mouth. And what do you do then, right? And what it does, we all question this stuff. We question our own ability. We question our, our sense of, of calling. Like, is there even such a thing as a calling, right? Like, do, do, is that something that any of us really uh, have? Do we have a purpose? What is our identity, right? We, we wrestle with all of that. And Moses had already seen some amazing things um, and is pictured in direct conversation with the creator of the universe, Okay? <laughs> Yet his confidence is shaken. He returns to an earlier negative claim about himself, right? Do you do this? Do you do self-negative talk? Uh, This is a plague for me, for sure. This idea of like, and then being drawn back to an old narrative, an old story that I tell myself, a lie, really, that I'll tell myself about myself. And that's really what I think is going on here is Moses is returning to an earlier negative claim about himself. The, the words here literally are, um, would be uh, translated uncircumcised lips. That's what the, uh, matter of fact, the, uh, I think it's the ESV 
um, just translates it literally that. So it's a, a metaphorical um, a statement that it seems to get to his ability, right? Like what is he, uh, his ability to speak is just unacceptable. It's not good enough. Some translations suggest a, uh, a speech impediment or a stutter. I believe that's what um, Eugene Peterson does with this passage uh, in the message is he says, I, I can't do this. I, I stutter. I can't speak clearly. Some suggest it's a, ba- a lack of eloquence. That's kind of what the, um, the old, old translators, the folks who translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, into the Septuagint, uh, the Septuagint makes it about his ability to reason or his uh, ability to speak uh, with uh, eloquence, right? But the bottom line is when met with challenge, uh, the old insecurities just come flooding back in. And then God says, keep moving. Right? The, the next verse, it's as if he didn't even say that, right? It's as if, uh, I don't know, I like, to, I like to think of God ignoring our, our negative narrative, right? And we're like, but this, but this. And he's like, okay, and um, next. And, and, you know, and it's just, yeah, instead of like engaging with it and being like, oh, where does it come from in your face? You know, I mean, not to diminish therapy, we should do that. But um, in this storyline, it's just so like, you know, here's my, here's my insecurity. Here's my anxiety. Here's the thing that's holding me back. And then the next verse is, well, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge, <laughs> right? Here, here's something to do. Here you go. Uh, a charge for the Israelites and uh, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. The call is the same. Yeah. The, 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 the mission. The mission, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just keep moving. Right? I mean, isn't that the, the phrase, like 90% of life is showing up or something like that? People say things like that. I mean, that is so true. If we just keep stepping out, we keep moving forward, um, we discover more and more, and it, it, it changes us if we'll um, live that way. And then the text takes this turn, right? It has this genealogy, and I'm not, not going to read through all oh, of no, that. I want to. Oh, you do want to read through it. Yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah. Oh, go. Are you guys ready for the most exciting part of Exodus? <laughs> It actually is exciting. Okay, but we're going to get to it. Okay, no, I don't won't. tell them yet. Sorry. We're bored. Here we Spoiler. go. Spoiler, go. This is the nap time. I just, okay, here we go. Exodus chapter 6, verse 14. These are the heads of their father's households. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were Hanok and Palu and Hezron and Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin. I'm, you know, they're correcting me from the graves. Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. Now these were the names of the sons of Levi according to their records. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The length of Levi's life was 137 years. I like that that's parenthetical right there for some mm-hmm. reason. The sons of Gershon by their families were Libni and Shimei. The sons of Kohath were Amron, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. The length of Kohath's life was 133 years. The sons of Merari were Malthi and Mushi. There were the clans, I know. <laughs> okay, these were the clans of Levi according to their records. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The length of Amram's life was 137 years. The sons of Izhar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. The sons of Uziel were Meshael, Elzvathan, and Zithri. The Aaron married Elisheba, the daughter of Amimnadab, and the sister of Nashan, and she bore him Nadab, and Abihu, and Elizar, and Ethahmar, <laughs> the sons of Korah and Asir and Elkanah and Abiasaph. These were Korahite clans. Now Eliezer, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Petiel, and she bore him Phineas. 
These are the heads of the father's households of Levi, according to their clans. It was the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt by their regiments. They were the men who were speaking to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same Moses mm -hmm. and Aaron. Okay, so why a sudden interruption for a family tree, right? We are in the drama of God going, right. okay, I see that insecurity. We've named it. Still, I'm asking you to go and do this thing. And then there's this like family tree just plugged on in there, right? Well, in, in part, is very practical for um, and kind of rational for the first readers. This is for building suspense. I mean, right, when you watch a show, you know the flashback, right, that goes back to yeah, what happened yeah. before, or you're like getting to an exciting part of one storyline and they bring you to sort of some, some origin story, right? Narrative. We love origin yeah, stories. The origin stories. Maybe right? they did too. Yes, well, clearly they, they did. They did. They <laughs> yeah. were. Like, yeah, they did it first. Yeah, right. I mean, in a I guess very they wrote the book of Genesis, way. so yeah, yeah that's Genesis, kind of the Genesis. origin story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, only one chuckle. Come on, you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but in all honesty, in all honesty, how many of you have ever read those verses before? Do we mm -hmm. not skip over all, like right? Won't like someone took probably a two-minute nap. You weren't even listening to me right there. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, but part of it is building the drama mm -hmm. of, of this moment, Yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think the other part is the narrowing. Like you notice, they don't uh, keep broadening out the tree. They narrow to a, a, a particular focus. Mm -hmm. and, and in short, what they're doing is they're just pointing to Moses and Aaron, right? This, that it's, as if, like, it's as if the genealogy was there to say, um, Moses and Aaron were born for this. This is who they, this is who they are. This is where they come from. This, this, these are the folks that God has chosen. And it's all history is leading to this moment. And these are the ones that, that God has chosen. Right? So imagine that. Moses and Aaron, with all their imperfections, right? All their fears, their anxieties, maybe physical inabilities. Right? They might literally not be able to to form words in a way that others can understand clearly, right? And there's fear about that. Maybe physical inabilities. They were born for this purpose. That is powerful. The idea, and I run across this all over Scripture, is, is not that God grabs perfect people, right? Or, and not even that he grabs people that are broken, perfects them, and then uses yes. them, right? Yes. He doesn't even do that. He just grabs people in their brokenness, and they're born for this in that, mm -hmm. which is so counter our kind of perfectionistic um, society and the way that perfectionism has um, infiltrated all of our lives, mm -hmm. that we're always like, we need to get cleaned up. We need to get uh, everything worked out before we're going to be useful. Yeah. Ugh. We disqualify ourselves. Oh, we do. Right? Yes. God says, I'm choosing you. And we go, well, yeah. these are all the reasons yeah. why you made a bad choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you were reading my line, but that's no. what I wrote. There we are go. so quick to disqualify ourselves and others based and on these others. imperfections. Oh my gosh, let's name that too. Right? right? Why are they doing that? Yeah. Why? Yes. Well, and why do we do that? Because we our do it to own. ourselves, yeah. right? That's the, I mean, I think that's, and, yes. Yeah. We yeah. do that. It's, it, you'll find that throughout your life that if you have been, you know, like critical of yourself, mm -hmm. then you just have to be critical of others or it works the other way you've been critical of others so then you're like oh man i can't let myself off the hook yeah. i gotta really hammer myself yeah 
Yeah, so taking this, bringing this story into our context and for us today, maybe you were born for this. Mm. Maybe all of you was put in that body mm. and that combination of strengths and weaknesses, <laughs> of gifts and skills, of passions and interests. Maybe all of that was put together in that body yeah. for purpose, yeah. right? I had a friend who I was... I, was, I didn't even mean to, mean to. I think I, I was just talking negatively about myself, about mm -hmm. my stature, my abilities. And, and he was like, all of that was put in that body on purpose. Like, it was like, mm -hmm. that sticks with me. I get up in the morning, I'm like, just remember that, Sonia. All of that was, there's purpose, mm -hmm. there's intent. Maybe all that is, maybe all that combination is there and it's embodied, it's in that particular body. Paul and I were talking about this. And as many of you know, our oldest, our 16-year-old is on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. right? And I go, maybe all of her was packaged in that yeah. body yeah. on purpose. And, and that mm -hmm. ability, disability, however you want to look at it, is, yeah. does not for one minute limit or inhibit the call that God has for her life mm. and the purpose he has for her. And yeah. it doesn't for anyone in this room. But that deeply challenges the American gospel of perfectionism. Yes, it does. Thank right. God it does. Oh, yeah. Thank God. Right, yeah. and and I I think it would it's really good. Um, it would be so good for us to to sit in that this week, right? To sit in that. Wow, God put all this together on mm. purpose. Yeah, and this does not disqualify me mm. from what He's asking me, what He's invited me into. Right mm. now, here's I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us in a in a direction with this now, because all of that awesome in you. Okay, so I, I let's just say. All the awesome and, and uh, all the awesome that is in all of you. <laughs> collective, no one, collective awesome. The collective, like there yeah. is this individual awesome in all of you, but all that awesome was not meant to exist alone, mm. right? Yeah. Maybe we were destined to be together in this moment right now, right here, this morning in this space, right? All of these parts coming together to create this mm. body yeah. this morning. Inhabiting this place. Maybe even like Moses, we are called together to speak to powers and systems that have been oppressing others for generations. Hmm. Maybe there's a message of liberation, of good news, of restoration, of hope that is to be carried by this body, yeah. by this group of people yeah. right now. This, this you right here, us, yeah. called the church. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a message of liberation and hope that we're meant to carry into this neighborhood. Hmm. Even with, even with all of the insecurities and weaknesses mm. and shortcomings and all those other things that are a part of it. Right? Maybe, even, maybe even more than even with. Yeah. Not even like phrasing it that right way, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because what's more relatable in our humanity than our, our weaknesses, our brokenness? And where is his strength made perfect? And it yeah. flips everything on its head. Everything in our culture uh, elevates the, the strengths which separates us, mm. right? Because those who are the strongest in a category climb the mountain to the top and they're separated from everybody else. But if it's our weaknesses that connect us. That's the thing that makes us relatable, able to, to connect to one another. Mm -hmm. And that's the, mm -hmm. I mean, the gospel, the kingdom of God over and over again. Yeah. So I asked myself the question then, like, if it's possible that this, this 
combination of gifts, this combination of strengths and weaknesses and frailty and humanness and all of that flesh that's here, right? Who are we? Who are, what is our identity? Who are we as the church, yeah. right? If we're going to look at our history, we're going to look, who are we? What is our identity? Who are we as the church? I was brought to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. And I read this in a new way, um, um, uh, uh, just in this context, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, beginning with verse 4, says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in transgressions, and I just love this because it's pointing out that it's not because we're awesome, right? It's not because we are perfect. (laughs) It's not because we had figured it out and made ourselves good enough to be loved, right? It's because God was rich in mercy because of his great love, Mm. which he loved us with. Even though we were dead in transgressions, we are now us alive Mm. together with Christ. By grace you're saved. And he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. So it's Christ, it's Jesus Mm. who brings the church into being. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty awesome, right? right? It's his church. We're his church. We're his body. We're his people, right? He does this to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you're saved Mm. through faith and it's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not your own perfection it's not your own will even right it's grace it's the gift of god it's not from works so that no one can boast oh man we will though (laughs) just the human tendency to take credit is great right this however is not from works so that no one can boast why for we are we are his workmanship we are his divine creation Say, we are his divine creation. 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 We, the collective. Yeah. We are his divine creation. Hmm. Having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we might do them. Hmm. Right? So we can walk in them. We can live in this, this existence of doing the good works that he's called us to. Yeah. His great love. Right? This passage, I used to read, I I have read this as such an individual. I am his workmanship, created to do good works in Christ. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Like we are, we are created, like I believe, like we, there's awesome packaged up in every single individual year. But this passage is about us. It's a plural you, right? This is about we, yeah, y'all. This is, I mean, you guys heard me talk about this before. It's one of the weaknesses of our language bringing across um, the translation. Oftentimes, especially Paul, Paul is almost always when he's writing and you, you read the word you, um, in one of his texts, and you look in the original language, it's a plural you. There, it would be like saying y'all, right? And that it's about the best you can come up with, y'all or you all, right? And that is almost always the case. It's so much more from a collective and a, a relational mm-hmm. perspective, uh, an us yeah. versus a me. And right. yeah, it's, right. So which, we are yeah. his workmanship. He has collected us. He has put us together. Yeah. He does have a purpose. He has something that he has de- he had beforehand mm-hmm. plans for us to do these good works, right? So is the church perfect? Has she ever been perfect? Mm. No, never, never will be. <laughs> the church isn't perfect. The church is loved. Oh. Yeah. That love has caused us to come alive together with Christ. We are the divine creation of God created for good works that God has already prepared for us to do. 
that's pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. So um, the implications of that. What does that, what does that mean for us? So I want to get very specific now. So we talked about sort of the theological, philosophical idea. I want us to come right here now and locate ourselves in this place. What, what is the work that I believe God has prepared this body mm. to do? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, there are three things that came to mind and there's, there's probably more, but these three really just were the, the ones as I was preparing and, and praying. What is the work that I believe God has prepared for us to do? Foster care, okay? I think God has led us into the work through a little kiddo that we just celebrated his sixth birthday. <laughs> God invited us into work with foster children through a, 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 a baby. That's how God, ah, oh, that is so beautiful. I love how God does it's that. It's kind of derivative though, right? Yeah, like he, what? Baby Jesus? Yeah, I got you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So God is, yeah, there's a theme. Sorry. Yeah. There's a theme. Yes. Through baby Jesus and through baby Nico. Right. Yeah. Yes. Baby Jesus and baby Nico. And through generous hearts, right? And, and the work, and then it was, you know, many of you know the story, but it was, it was through, through the Cedarbergs and their engagement that engaged us, that brought us to adoption, that increased our families, mm -hmm. that, that got us engaged and involved with foster care. And we've all had these conversations. This is something we've, we've contributed with uh, through Embrace Oregon and, and done Royal Boxes family of Love. Kids camp. And, yeah, and Royal Family Kids Camp with Sunita. And these are all these ways that we engage. And I don't, the work is not done, right? The work is not done. And I think that there is a call on this body to continue that engagement. Um, in fact, we, I, we have key leaders for, that work in foster care in Portland in this faith community. So this is a work that I think God has. This is a, one of the areas of work that I think God has prepared for us to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think God has prepared us or work for us in race and injustice. Um, you know, we've been tragically invited into a work that is life and death that requires the kind of long-suffering that comes from the Spirit of God, that comes from a community that is engaged in, and, and um, awakening together. And, and I don't believe that we get the option to opt out. Right. Okay? Um, if we are going to love and support well for this body and the brokenness and the pain that we've experienced as part of this body, we have to engage, we have to learn, and we have to be transformed. Um, this is work that I think yeah. God has prepared for us to do. For, for guests who are with us and may not um, know what you're referring to, um, a little over a year ago, we, we lost a friend um, in a police shooting. And, um, and so he was killed a year ago. And um, that's, that's the tragedy that you're yeah. referencing there. And uh, the, in the work to love the, the, the family that's left is going to be Right, because for this lifetime, because that never, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, so that is work that God has prepared for us to do, and and there are, um, I'm excited about. In fact, we just um, one of the ways that we're doing that very practically in this building is um, we are partnering with V. Lynn Brown, who is part of the center. She's been a facilitator at. Um, a Center for Equity and Inclusion, but has started a nonprofit called Faith and Equity that's specifically working with faith organizations in building <coughs> race equity and 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 that those kinds of things. So she's going to have offices just down the hall here. This is one way that we're being intentional intentional about partnering, and and you're going to hear more about her activity and her engagement in this community and how we do this stuff together. But that is a work that I believe God has prepared yeah. for us to do. Okay, the other the other thing that I just 
that was jumping out at me is around creative, okay? So creatives, the word that comes to me in this is unleashed. That creative energy was not given to this body for restraint, but to spark and ignite and to activate, to express and expose the vast range of human emotion and experience with the divine. That songs and poetry and dance and painting and writing mm. and all of the creative expression, yeah. all those things are works that God has prepared for us to do. And so those are the three things, three things that I thought of that came right to mind to me. This is the work that God has prepared for us to do, yeah. to participate in. So um, as I was writing this, um, I have to tell you, sometimes there are talks that I write and, um, and it, it feels very analytical in my head. And as I was preparing and kind of writing, I, I felt the, what I would say, would describe as inspiration from the Holy Spirit for this moment in this time. So um, I say these things, and it's interesting when you write in the moment, and then I'm, go I'm looking at the page, I'm just telling you live what's happening, like I'm being, <laughs> but I'm looking at the page, I'm like, oh, is this what's, you know, is this where, I, where we are right now? But this is, this is something that came to mind for me, was, was something to consider that maybe you have been brought into this particular faith community for a purpose. And maybe... You were brought here um, and born, <laughs> and like your life timeline brought you to this place in this time to be a living, active, beautiful, nourishing, and flourishing part of this body called the Gross Church. And that is the invitation for everyone. Every time we come together like this, I'm amazed that in the history of time in the universe, right? Like that's what hits me. Like in, yeah. in, in all, like we are somehow bumping up against each other right now, right here in this space. And to me, that's just full of life and purpose and possibility, what that, could, what that could mean, right? We get to experience God together and one another in this space and time, right? And I do believe that many of us in this room have a purpose and a destiny to fulfill together. And it's not deterred by our shortcomings or our weaknesses. It's not deterred by doubters or by pharaohs. We have been brought together because God loves us and has called us according to his purposes. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I mean, this is an extremely freeing word for me, and I hope for those that, uh, that, you know, your struggle is perfectionism and your struggle is I'm not good enough and I'm not. Th this is the, the word that heals that. This is the word that, that sets you free from that. And I hope, I hope it's impacting you and you're hearing the Spirit of God speak through these scriptures and through this, these ideas, um, and you will, you'll, really, you'll really hear it. Right? Not just hear the words, but hear it in your soul, that you'd let that go. I, I, I mean, this is my, this is where this talk hits me, is there's so much I hold back because I'm not, you know, that my, that negative the talk. Critic. The inner critic. The inner critic. The yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, that sense of not good enough, that sense of, of I'll get it together, and once I get it together, then I'll put myself out there. And, um, this is the antidote to that, and I hope if this is like you, I hope you're not holding back because it is the collective. I do believe that, like Sonia's saying, with everything that's in me, and, and, and we are less as a community um, when the individuals hold back and don't enter into the collective. If we hold our art back, if we hold our, our thought back, if we hold our action, our work back, um, and, and we don't step into the things that God might be calling us to, the, that sense of purpose, um, the greater community uh, is it, not whole. And, and um, 
And so I hope for your own sake and that sense of peace and deliverance from that inner critic and for the sake of the, the community and the sake of the world, the light of Christ shining through us as a group, yeah. um, you're able to hear that this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a final, a final thought. Um, the, one of the passages that came to me is 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse, verses, uh, verse 7. Like God, the, the, the way that I memorize, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I love the message that says God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, hmm. right, with what he's given us, but to be bold, loving, and sensible. And um, uh, that, in this passage, it's interesting because Paul's talking about how hands, he's, he said, I laid hands on you. And there was a ministry, there was a gift given to you, and I don't yeah. want you to be shy about it, mm. right? And, and I, I thought about those times when maybe there's, a, in your history, um, maybe sometime in your life, there was a moment where that, those gifts, like you had that sense, exactly like what we were talking about, like a, maybe it's a called ministry, yeah. or someone was praying for you and had, there was a, a, a deposit, like I think God's given us something, right? And, um, um, and, and Paul's encouragement to Timothy is like, keep that alive, keep that vibrant, keep that going. And um, they aren't to be restrained, right? And so, um, you know, it, it would, it, in connection to what you were saying, I think it's, it's, it, it's easy for us maybe to, to allow those gifts to be dormant or to fade or to wither because of the critic or whatever reason, yeah. that we don't think that, we're, that it's important. Um, um, but, but the encouragement is to be bold, loving, and sensible, not to shy away from those gifts, yeah. right? Um, and that maybe you've never had that experience or maybe you've never discovered or believed that maybe there's something you something really awesome that God has given you for the body. And um, that's another thing that um, as we go into response time, you can just ask God, God, what have you, what, what, what do I have to give? Yeah. What's in my, what are in my hands? What have you deposited in me? Um, and we've seen it be literally all kinds of stuff, yeah. right? Like not just, sometimes we get focused it's because the folks talking tend to be a little narcissistic. It's just the nature of, of who ends up here, right? It's just... <laughs> And <laughs> maybe that's going too far. Uh, <laughs> no, but, you know, we tend to project sometimes. And so we have tended to be like what calling is, is call to do what I do, to ministry. Right. But we've. Ministry and a vocation. In, yeah. And in these like what we call like platform actions or roles, right? Whether it be doing music or, or, or speaking or, or those kind of things or teaching. And those are all things that are needed. But there's also hospitality that is deeply needed. We've seen that in our community build relationships in a deep way. Where uh, Sunita is a great example. Where there was a season where she had kind of time and energy and she threw these, um, these food challenges. And they were such an incredible thing to gather around. And, and then to see people's... Um, art or even you'd say calling to to food and the way they would provide for others and you know to see that i think of this um in my friend jeff and his sense of like it seems like a call what jeff does with search and rescue you know and and to see him uh, and hear his stories and his concern and his care uh, of not just the people that he goes out to be with, but then care of creation and connecting with the creator in that space and then the testimony to that to others that may not find that sense of awe of who God is in stained glass and in music, mm -hmm. right? And, it's, and, and we could go on and on around the room with different folks and, and, and I, that's so important to me. That, that when we talk about this, finding your sense of purpose, finding your sense of call, that it's not just like, hey, how can you be like the people speaking, right? But that you really find, what is that, that thing that God has for you? And it can look like any number of things.
Can I pray? Yes. Let me pray for you all. Sweet cause. Hmm. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the way in which you have created and you have made every single person in this room. You have placed gifts and talents and skills and passions in their bodies. And you have caused all of us together to come alive with you. And um, I pray this morning that there would be a, uh, um, a casting off of restraint that you would silence lies, that you would break barriers and walls and, um, oh man, habits and ruts that have prevented us from living fully um, as the people that you have called us to. I pray that you would um, begin to shine a light in our hearts and in our lives uh, in areas where you want to, um, to expose, to awaken, to revitalize, and to restore. God, I pray that you would heal this morning. I pray that you would rebuild this morning. Um, I pray that you would call us today closer to you, to the life that you've called us to, to a life together. Let your gifts, let your Holy Spirit awaken and ignite your gifts, your spirit in us. Let us be alive in you, God. Um, we are your workmanship. We're your work. So come, God, in this response time as we respond to you and your word. Come and do that work in our lives. We thank you for what you've invited us all into. We love you. We're just going to take a song's worth of time.